I would like you, please, to grab a piece of paper. They're on the tables in front of you, and you'll need a pen or a pencil. Because I would like you to take a minute or maybe two minutes and answer the, the first question that's going to go up on the screen behind me, please, Renee. The, the first one in the, in the sermon series there. Oh, actually, yeah, no, let's do that first. Sorry. Yeah, I'm forgetting my own order of things here. We want to make declaration of who we are together. And those of you who've been here a while will remember we did Transform Your Organization back in December. And God gave us some clear truths for us to get hold of and to affirm. And this is one of them. So why don't we speak this out loud together as our declaration from our hearts. And I'll lead us and you can all join in with me. We trust God to weave a multitude of unique people together into this family where there is belonging for everyone. We receive new people with joy, trusting them to blend into God's plan for us all. Now, does that fit with what we've just done or does that fit with what we've just done? You see God making it work, but that's why we keep declaring it. God has shown us this as a path to walk. And as we declare it together, as we agree it together, God does it some more. Now, if I could have the next slide, please, Renee. Could you, just for yourself, write down, and what I suggest you do is you take your, your piece of paper and you use the, the left-hand half of it. Write down, who are you? Who are you? Now, I'm not going to, you, you can be as honest as you want, because I'm not going to make you tell anybody else. But write down for just a minute here, who are you? Get the most from this. Don't edit. Don't think, oh, I shouldn't say that about myself. Or Just put it all down. Who are you? I'll explain what I'm doing in just a second. So just trust me and come with me on this, all right? <laughs> Now on the right-hand side of your paper, look at the, the statements you've written of who you are and just think to yourself the answer to this second question. Who says? Where do you get that identity from? Who said you are the things you've written down? doesn't matter if the answer to that is a mixture you know some of my identity is me says <laughs> some of it is other people says some of it is God says some of it is my history says those of us who, mar who are married some of us it's my spouse says <laughs> and that could be positive or negative right Jane <laughs> <laughs> but it's important that we identify where my identity comes from. Who says I am who I say I am?
because before Andy and Ganilla had to reschedule this weekend, we were due to be looking at God as our loving Father. And we know God as our Father through Jesus, the Son, who was entirely clear on his identity. As you look in the New Testament, Jesus is abundantly clear. He's the Son of God, he's the Son of Man, he's the Son of David, <laughs> he's my Father's Son, <laughs> and so on. And so we are going to spend a little bit of time in the Scripture in just a moment looking at what the disciple who Jesus loved says about who we are. The disciple who Jesus loved, anybody know who that was? John, yes. He was the youngest. If you've watched, anybody not watched The Chosen? Oh, isn't it wonderful? Yes, if you haven't watched The Chosen, download the app and watch it. It's a fantastic, there's two series now you can binge. You need a whole, whole evening to, to binge the whole lot, but watch The Chosen. It is just such a life-giving um, series about the life of Jesus. But anyway, that's we. If you've watched the Chosen, or if you know uh, any sort of unpacking of the New Testament, you know John was the youngest of the disciples, and as time went by, he was the one who was closest to Jesus. So at the Last Supper, he's the one with his head. Excuse me, Corey. I'm just going to use you. As, he's got his head like this against Jesus' chest, so he can ask the questions that no one else can ask because they're too far away. He's that close to Jesus. So what he says about Jesus, because he's had the longest to process after the crucifixion and resurrection and ascension as well, what he records about our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with God the Father through Jesus has got to be valuable, right? Because he's figured it out and he's spent a long time. Again, forgive me for picking on people, but I know you won't mind. The wisdom that Annette has, because she's just a tiny bit older than me, is worth listening to because she's taken time to let it mature, right? You hope. See, I know humility is greater than mine too, but I'm telling you it's the truth. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at what John says about our identity and about our identity in Christ. But before we get to that, well, then let's go. No, I'm, this is where I wanted to put Sherry's thing in. Sherry came over to me during the worship, and God gave her a, a, a revelation, a vision, whatever, of, of walking along a precipice, wasn't it, Sherry? Along the edge of a cliff, okay? She's walking with Jesus along the edge of a cliff, and there's this feeling of, if I get it wrong, I'm going to fall off. But the Lord said to her in that moment, and correct me if I'm getting any of this wrong, follow in my footsteps and hold on to me. And sometimes God wants to do something in your heart and in my heart where he's like, hey, just hold tight and, and walk through this with me. And sometimes when we look at identity, it feels a bit like that. Some of what, if I've been honest, some of what I've written on the left-hand side of my piece of paper, I don't like the look of that. <laughs> It feels a bit like a precipice. You know, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I keep getting it wrong. Those kinds of things. But Jesus says, no, hold on tight to me and follow in my footsteps. And I will bring you through. 
one second. And that's what he wants to do with us this morning. He wants to impart identity at a deeper level based in his truth. Annette. I was just thinking about what I thought when you walked toward me and mentioned having wisdom. And I, my thought immediately was, I might be older and I have more wisdom, but I feel more like a child. And that ties into just holding on to Jesus, like a little kid. You know how you hold hands? That's what I thought about. And let me say publicly, you are the most childlike wise person I know. Here's a recommendation for all of you. Aspire to be like Annette when you grow up. Because I do. <laughs> all right. So you're all in little clusters, maybe twos and threes, or maybe you need to move to do this. But gather in your twos and threes. Let's put the next slide up, please. And let's read some of what John says so that we can understand what God says. So in your little groups, I'd like different ones of you to pull up those four verses, uh, either on your phone or in your Bible, and read them to the group. Okay? Go ahead and do that, and then we'll come back together, and I'll tie it together before we close. Keep reading. One more minute. So those are truths that John knows because of his relationship with Jesus and because of Jesus' relationship with the Father. <laughs> and in a crisis, it's very important that we know what our identity is so that we don't feel bad for crashing a table in the middle of the meeting. <laughs> it's, yeah, you can, you can tell when God's on the move because <laughs> all kinds of exciting things happen. You guys okay? Yay, of course you're good. So let me ask you a question for a moment. For you to be honest with yourself, you don't need to answer this out loud, but let me ask you a question. How comfortable did you feel with what you read and how well did it fit you? How comfortable did you feel with what you read and how well did it fit you? Or if I ask the question another way, if you put the next slide up please, Renee, what did your upbringing say? Because I don't know about, well, I do know about you because you're alive, but my upbringing did not say 
what I had just read in those four verses that we read together. My upbringing didn't tell me that. So I've had to teach myself, or rather God has had to teach me, and I've had to cooperate with God teaching me the truths that we read. Yeah? Now, does that happen in one reading? It's a process, isn't it? It's definitely a process. But it's a process worth embracing. It's a process worth continuing with. It's a good idea to do self-assessment of what did my upbringing tell me that doesn't agree with what I just read? Or looking at my notes of what I wrote down that I'm not going to show to anybody else, but God knows what it is. Where do I need to put a little star and say, ah, I think this came from my upbringing and not from my Father in heaven. Because some of your identity does not yet come from your heavenly Father and your place in his heart. That's why he wants us to continue to, to circle around this topic so that every time we circle around it, some more of my heart hears some more good news and gets saved. Because that's what evangelism is, isn't it? <laughs> I need to be evangelized before I can evangelize anybody else. Because I have a father who loves me. And so do you. Let's put the next one up. Let me challenge you a little further. What you read... In First John, John, how does that compare with what you say about yourself? So this is not just my upbringing now, but this is the voice inside my head. I know you've got it. We all do. And I'm fairly certain the voice inside your head is very much like the voice inside my head and very often does not speak this. Let's just put it as politely as I can, okay? Very often, the voice inside my head is like the guy on the right there, shouting at me, the guy on the left, telling me all the things I've got wrong, and all the ways I fail, and all the ways I fall short. And what I need to do, next slide please, is to mind the gap. I put that in specially for Laura, because that's from the London Underground. But it's familiar to anybody who's gone on a subway anywhere. We saw them in Toronto. You get them in New York and Washington, wherever. Mind the gap. Because if there's a gap between what my heart believes and what my internal voice says and what my upbringing told me versus what God's truth is, I need to mind the gap. Because I need to step across into the truth and not trip over the gap. Make sense? So I need to begin to identify or continue to identify what the gaps are so that my day-by-day -day experience isn't still over here. I'm a loser. Nobody loves me. I'll never make anything of myself. God will, will smite me if I get anything wrong, any of that stuff. To step over to here where God's truth is, and I put it out on paper so I didn't have to flip pages, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. The world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. But let's love one another. For love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 
And we love because he first loved us. And I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. All of that is true. And I want to live over here. But I have to mind the gap that I don't drift back over here because of my upbringing, because of the voices in my own head, because of the things that I have taught myself. One more verse in First John, First John 4. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. In other words, the world is full of voices that will tell you stuff that isn't the truth that God says. And we have to mind the gap and step over into the train. Because <laughs> that train's going somewhere. And God wants you on the train. But your upbringing would leave you on the platform. You've got to mind the gap and step over and get on the train. Okay, you can move to the next slide, please, Renee. And we'll wrap it up with this. John 8, 31 and 32. I, I think it's fair to say that these are probably my life verses. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I love because it's not just about reading the Bible. The word logos means much more than just the recorded written word of God. It's the whole counsel of God. Everything that was ever in God's heart made real in this world. Now there's the rhema of God. We talk about that a lot as well. Where God breathes his life into his word and he applies it to our lives. And it's like we feel the breeze of his wanting and longing and speaking and directing but the logos is like stepping into the train it's going to take you somewhere god wants his word spoken and written to carry my life to a new place and he says you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free now truth is not just a mental concept or an abstract thing. It's the whole of reality. The reality that God is in charge of all this stuff. That God is the Lord of all the universe. That God created everything and he made it good. And that we are created in his image and therefore we are good. Yes, we may be soiled, but we are good. And because God is in the process of restoring all things, finally, we're in the process of being set free. You will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And the knowing is not just that you read those verses again and again, it's that your heart begins to experience them. You see, the Greek word for know is gnosko, which is used of Joseph and Mary in the story of the Incarnation, where it says that Joseph discovered that Mary was already pregnant and he took her to be his wife, but he didn't know her until Jesus was born. 
In other words, Gnosko is about a lot more than just facts. It's that intimate knowing that comes from a committed relationship. And I won't go any deeper than that because there are young ears within hearing, but those of you who know about that sort of thing know what I mean. So God wants to close the gap because he's your loving father. And so when I ask you, who am I? I would love to propose to you the answer that God downloaded to me in the night. To add to all the godly identity you already have. What he said to me as my new identity was, I'm a lover. I'm a lover. I don't just mean in the context that I was talking about just now in the, in the Greek word gnosko, <laughs> but I mean a lover of God and a lover of people. Yeah. We love because he first loved us. So it means that you can love because you are loved. And that'll get you over the gap. That'll get you on the train. The train will take you where it wants to take you. It might bring you to South Carolina. Or it might take you somewhere else. But it'll certainly take you deeper into the heart of God. So right now, in this moment, you have a father who, just as in Sherry's vision, is saying, Hold tight to me. You're not going to fall. You're not going to go down the gap. You are going to step into the truth of your relationship. You're loved because God is love. And because God is love, you're a lover. The kind of love God is talking about when we say God is love is agape. Greek word. It's a love that gives for the sake of others. It's a love that comes to find me. It's a love that lays down my rights for the sake of yours. It's a love that gives. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. When you know that you are loved, it doesn't feel like a cost to lay down your life for others. If you feel there is a cost to it, it may be that you need to ask to receive more of the love he has for you. Several of you said earlier, it's a process. Yes, it's a process. But I believe God has been doing something in each of our hearts this morning that takes us another step in the journey. So I'd like to pray for us all. Time is gone, but when I've prayed, we'll be dismissed. But if you'd like to be prayed for, and us agree with you, just come on up. Let's hold our hands open and close our eyes for just a moment. Father, in every area 
where I've listened to voices other than you. Would you come and take me by the hand now and lead me into your truth? Father, in every place where there's still a gap between what I say and who I really am, or what I listen to and who I really am, would you bring me across the gap now into your arms, onto your train, <laughs> that you would carry me into your love in a deeper way. That as I stand up this morning, leave this meeting, that I would know more deeply than I've ever known that I am loved and that I am a lover. Let me love you more. Let me love my brothers and sisters more. Let me love those around me who need to find you more. Thank you for love. Love that finds us. I'm trusting right now that you've done something in me. I may not be able to identify it, but I'm trusting that you've done something in my heart this morning that makes me more of a lover than when I first arrived. Let it grow, Father, and bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen.